You are doing better than you think you are. I'm going to say that again. You are doing better than you think you are. You are a better leader. You are a better business owner. You are a better entrepreneur than you think you are right now. Now, how do I know this? I know this because number one, you are listening to a podcast on productivity. You are actively pursuing improvement and growth so that you can be the best leader that you can possibly be. And I'm proud of you. And I want you to be proud of yourself. And I also want you to know that as a Christian, I believe God's proud of you. But today I want to break through and those negative thinking words that start to attack all of us, including me, everybody goes through that. But I want you to know that you're not alone. And I want you to know that you are doing better than you think that you are doing. And I'm going to give you today two reasons why you think maybe that you're not doing as well as you could be and how to overcome these. So let's jump into it today. Let's go small for big productivity. Productivity does not have to be complicated. Hi, my name is Amber Davis, and I am a productivity coach who helps leaders and entrepreneurs get more done in less time with an all small approach to productivity. Welcome to the All Small Productivity Podcast. Let's go small for big productivity. Hi, Amber Davis here, your productivity coach here to help you go small for big productivity. Today, I'm not only your coach, but I am going to be your motivational speaker today because as a business entrepreneur, as an owner of a small business or a leader within that small business, you need some encouragement. We all do because life in business can come at us quickly. It can come at us from a negative standpoint. We can all feel disappointed at times, but I want to give you a shot in the arm today. I want you to be encouraged that you are doing better than you think that you are doing. I'm going to give you some reasons why, but I'm also going to give you two reasons why maybe that you think that you're not doing as well as you are. But before we get into all of that, when it comes to being a small business owner or an entrepreneur, it's important that you are able to go small so that you can have big productivity, specifically when it comes to launching your small business or launching into new projects, into a new season. And that is all about writing a simple business plan. And it does not have to be complicated to write a simple business plan. I actually created a whole free workshop on how to write a small business, simple business plan in 10 steps. So there are 10 steps to writing a small business plan that can help you as maybe you are a a mompreneur, right? You're a mom and you're just starting out and you're just starting a small business. Maybe you're a solopreneur. You don't have any other employees or even care to actually have other employees at this point. You are doing something on your own. You could be a freelancer. Maybe you are launching into your own small business. Maybe you're a leader within that business and you need some more structure or you need to be able to lay out a business plan. This simple approach to writing a business plan is going to be exactly what you need. So I want you to go to allsmalltraining.com and take my free workshop on how to write a small business plan in 10 steps. Check it out, allsmalltraining.com. All right. Now we are going to jump into why do you feel 
like you are not where you want to be. You are not doing as well as you think you should be. Now, let me say this at first. There is nothing wrong with being able to grow, to be able to get better, to be able to have a mindset of, you know what, I can always improve. That is a healthy mindset. It becomes unhealthy when we get out of balance and we focus more on what we're not doing and less on what we are doing and what we can do in our next step. And so I really want you to focus today on being able to be constructive in your critique, in your own analysis of your business, of your leadership. And there's two big things that happen, two reasons really, that try to hijack our mentality when it comes to thinking, you know what, I'm just not I'm not good enough. I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm I'm just, I feel inadequate. Am I doing all the right things? All these kind of thoughts come and they can be constructive and it can be helpful. But there's two reasons why it does not become helpful or two areas that you really got to focus on to stay out of. And one of these areas is comparison. Comparison can get us in a trap. And I think about, I'm petting my dog right now. He's so cute. You can see, if you're watching this, you can see just his nose. I don't know if he'll hop up here, but I don't know if you have a dog. I'm a huge dog fan. We have our Aussie Doodle Tux. He is super sweet. Oh my goodness, he's being so sweet. But back to where we were before comparison. I think about this story in the Bible that is Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau is a very interesting story. And when my kids were little, I would share this story with them because I think it's so interesting. First of all, the names are interesting. The name Jacob in Hebrew, one of the translations is the one who grabs things. So it just makes me laugh because these were twin boys. And um, Jacob was he wanted to be the oldest son and he wanted to get the birthright of the oldest son. And Esau was the oldest one. But Jacob, the name Jacob means one who grabs things. And it just makes me laugh because you think about like if twins are like trying to come out, right? And then that one twin is like grabbing the other one, trying to pull him down so he can be first. That was Jacob. Jacob wanted to be first. He was the one who was grabbing things. And Esau, the name Esau means hairy. He was a hairy dude, right? And it was funny because when my kids were little, we called him Harry Redman because that's what he was. So anytime we tell the story of Jacob and Esau, I would tell the story of one who grabs things and Harry Redman. And so it was just a funny way to tell the story, right? So the one who grabs things, right? He wanted the birthright, the first birthright of the hairy red man, Esau. So he was constantly comparing his life. Esau was this big burly guy. He was a hunter. He was a woodsman. He was in the wilderness. You know, he would go out and he would shoot um, these big, you know, animals and bring them back and they would have food to eat because Esau was this strong, burly guy. He would, well, man who grabs things, Jacob, he was not. He was kind of a, you know, like a skinnier guy, a littler guy. He liked to cook. He liked to hang out at the house. He liked to hang out with his mom. More artistic, not as much like of a hunter. He was more of an artistic guy that hung out at the house. But he was constantly comparing himself to Esau. 
He wanted to be Esau and he wanted to have the birthright. He wanted all these things. And he was constantly comparing himself to the point where that when his dad was on his deathbed and Esau was going to get the first son's birthright because he was the firstborn, even though they were twins, he was the first one born that Jacob so much wanted this birthright and he had compared himself that I, I'm not going to be anything without this birthright. I have to get this at all costs, right? So he actually dressed up like a hairy red man, which makes me laugh because think about like, you know, modern day hunters. If you go to like Bass Pro Shop or something, they have those, I think they're called ghillie suits. You know, it's like a It's like a suit that you put on, but it's got like all this green hair and like hunters can wear it in the wilderness and they can like look like they're like, you know, part of the the wilderness and then they could shoot the animal because they're in camouflage. I just think about Jacob was like wore the first like ghillie suit or whatever the suits are called because he literally went out and got like like skin or um, fur from animals. And he put these fur on his body, on his arms, so that when he went in to go talk to his dad before, while he was dying, he like laid his arm next to him like, hey, I'm, I'm Harry Redman and I'm here to get my birthright. And his dad was confused. And he, you know, was trying to trick his dad into the giving of the birthright. So that was crazy. He also... In this process, too, he had convinced that um, Esau came back from hunting one time. He was really hungry. I mean, he was gone for like, I don't know how long he was gone. Maybe it was 12 hours or however long he was gone. I don't remember exactly. But he was gone for an extended period of time. He comes home and he's really hungry. Well, Jacob was his master chef, right? And so he made this stew and he convinced Esau to give him his birthright to say, you know what? I'm going to be okay with you dressing up as me, as this hairy dude and going in to my dad before he dies, because I want this soup so bad. Uh, Okay, you can have my birthright, which is crazy if you think about it. I mean, that's a whole nother story. But the, the thing about this, when it comes to comparison, Jacob went at every length possible. He spun his wheels. He did whatever he could. He got off track on the plans that God had for him because he was so focused in on the plans that God had for Esau, that he was so comparing himself with Esau that he had to, you know, he forgot what he was supposed to be doing and he focused in on Esau. It was destroying his life later in his life after he made a lot of bad decisions, doing the same thing, chasing other people's dreams or chasing this mindset of what he thought he could have. Again, he was a man who grabs things. He was just grabbing at everything else and comparing his life to what other people had later, later on in his life. He was in tears when he finally reconciled with Esau and got back with Esau and was like, you know what? I just want to be your brother. I don't care about comparing my life to you anymore. I want to be your brother. I want us to be brothers. The thing about comparison is that when it's done really wrong, like in that situation, it can destroy people's lives. Now, are you in a situation where comparison is destroying your life? I don't know. But if I had to guess, I would say that we all get to the point where we're like in in between that. It's not necessarily destroying our lives. I mean, there there is a point where it can destroy your life. 
But a lot of us will live in a space where it is distracting our lives. Comparison will distract our lives. So again, there's nothing wrong with looking at what somebody else is doing and getting ideas. But when we start to think we have to be this way, or we are not going, not not even necessarily be happy, but we're not going to, we're not going to even be able to be a business owner because I can't do this, or I can't be a business owner or a business leader because I don't do this, or I don't do that, or I don't do this other thing. That's when it gets into that comparison trap. So two things that I want you to focus on when it comes to comparing, one real practical thing that you can do, I want you to start looking at one to three in front instead of five to 10 in front. I'm going to say that again. Look at one to three in front instead of five to 10 in front. What do I mean by that? Instead of looking at somebody that is five to 10 steps beyond where you are, let's say that you are a retail business owner who sells clothing, all right? If you are constantly observing and looking at somebody that's like, let's say Ralph Lauren, Gucci or, or something like that, and you're just now starting off in business, that is going to try to destroy you because you're going to start seeing this and you are not even remotely close to that. And so then it is that comparison will be way out of balance and it will frustrate you because you'll just constantly feel inadequate. But if you can start looking at people that are one to three steps in front of you, then it gives you something to reach for. You're like, you know what? (laughs) I can do that. And this is something that I heard. I've heard this in business before and in leadership before, but I remember watching an episode of Shark Tank. These people came in and pitched this idea. And I don't remember the idea, but I do remember that they were setting up their business. They were talking in terms in their business, like it was a multi-million dollar business. But in reality, they were just starting out. And I remember one of the sharks had said to them, look, you're not even at point A and B and C yet. And you're trying to be at point, you know, G and X at this point. You need to focus on the basics. You need to do this, this, and this here. And then, of course, you can get to this point, but stop looking over here at this. You need to focus in on what you're doing here. And then you move forward based on maybe two to three steps ahead of you and start looking at that so then you can be relatable to where you're moving. And it was such great advice because we can all get in the ditch of looking at this grandiose thing, this big thing, this big, shiny, awesome business, and not focus in on what we're doing. I'll give myself as an example. I'm a productivity coach. There are lots of businesses out there that are productivity consulting firms, like a big firm that is a corporation or like a large company. And they have multiple different consultants that work for them. And then they farm those consultants out and they have all these bells and whistles and all of this stuff. And they have their own platforms as far as like digital products and and things that they do. Well, if I look at that and compare myself with that or get in a trap of that, that would only frustrate me because that's not me. That's not even who I market to. 
I market to personal small business owners like you and leaders like you. And I do one-on-one coaching with them. And I do one-on-one training or produce products that can be downloadable services for you to take online. That's what I do. And so if I am focused on this, then it can be really frustrating to me. So if I'm trying to, let's break it down again. If I'm trying to make my website look like that person's or that company's website, it's only going to frustrate me. Instead of if I look maybe one to three steps ahead of me and see somebody that's further along and then maybe take some points from how they did their website then that's going to be more doable and I could put my own spin on it and I could have my difference be something that's marketable. Does that make sense? So I hope you're getting something out of this when it comes to comparison. There's nothing wrong with wanting to get better, but there is something wrong with comparing what you're doing in a way that is definitely not constructive. That's number one is comparing in that trap. And here's another thought process that I had when I was thinking through this is use garden gloves instead of boxing gloves when you are getting feedback or ideas from other people. Use garden gloves instead of boxing gloves. Now, what do I mean by that? I love to work with flowers. I love having flowers outside. And so if I'm digging in my pots, you know, I pull that dirt closer to me so, or make a space and I'm digging with my hands and I'm, I'm digging in to what is there. That's what I mean by digging in. So when you're looking at somebody that's one to three steps ahead of you, dig in, start pulling out like, okay, what's here? You know, maybe I don't want to use that thing, but maybe I could use this thing, or maybe I could style it this way and you know, maybe not that way, but you're digging in, you're, you're digging into what uh, you're looking for. You're, you're figuring out the way that you want to do it by being able to observe how other people do things instead of boxing gloves, where you've put those boxing gloves on and then you're punching yourself. You're like, I, my website's not as good as that. My product's not as good as that. I didn't have a great email. I didn't have a great communication. My proposal wasn't the best. You're just punching yourself in the face by all the things that you are comparing. So we can go over analogy after analogy after analogy, but one to three steps in front of you, focus on that instead of five to 10 steps out where it's only going to frustrate you. Use that garden gloves, dig in, pull out the things that you want to be able to maybe use. And you could say, okay, I want some of that, or maybe I don't like this, but I could tweak this instead of the punching gloves about I'm not as good as they are. Okay. Hopefully that makes sense. Now here is another big thing that we do. Second reason why you may feel like you are not where you want to be. And this is overwhelm. Overwhelm is the number one thing that I hear over and over and over again from my clients. If I'm sitting down and doing a one-on-one session with a client, if I am just having a conversation with a client, if I'm getting an email from a client, if I'm in a live chat and I have clients on there, the number one thing I hear over and over and over again is that they're overwhelmed. As a small business owner, as a small business leader, you're overwhelmed. There's so many things that come at you. There's so many things that you need to do. There's so many things that you need to fix. You need to improve. You need to get better. You need to tweak. You need this and you need that. And it's just overwhelming. 
And that's understandable. It is going to be overwhelming, but you're doing better than you think you are. Now, how do you break overwhelm? My number one tip for breaking overwhelm is to go small for big productivity. That's not just a catchphrase. That is a mindset. Go small for big productivity. This means that you make your all small. Stop looking at things in big, giant chunks. You've heard the term or the phrase, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, that you've got to be able to chunk things out into smaller bites, smaller segments so that you can be able to, so they're doable. They're doable in productivity so that you can do more. You actually will get more done in less time. So you want to break things down into small chunks, time them out into small chunks. So if you need to organize your office, break it down into what can I do today for 15 minutes that's going to help my office be more organized. It's this mindset of, I remember, remember, go back to the flower beds, right? Like, cause I like flowers and I like, we have a patio, a circular patio that we put around our fire pit out in our side yard. We have this um, brick patio that we put out there. And in the rocks that go across the the back part of that patio, there are uh, these like little ferns, these little bushes, so to speak. And around those bushes are rocks, but there's weeds that grow up in those rocks. And when it comes to springtime, after it's been winter and we haven't been out there, when it comes to springtime, there's a lot of weeds out there and it becomes overwhelming. There's so many weeds. There's no way possible to get these weeds all pulled up in one time period. So what I do is I take a week And every time I take the dog out to go to the bathroom, I go out and I pull the weeds or my son or my daughter will go out there with me and they'll pull the weeds for like 30 minutes. And over a period of about a week, every springtime that those weeds get pulled and it looks great. And then I add more rocks in to fill in the spaces and it looks really good. But when you first look at it, it's like, there's no way to get these weeds all out of here in one setting. Stop making your all big, make your all small. And that's that all small mentality. Overwhelm is broken when you can break it down into smaller chunks of productivity. This is when you scale down, you can scale up. I say go small for big productivity. And that's why I want you to go to allsmalltraining.com because there's a free workshop that not only shows you how to build a simple, small business plan in 10 steps, but it also shares with you my all small approach, the all small mindset when it comes to productivity. This is what all small productivity is all about. It's breaking that overwhelm. So if you feel today like you are frustrated because you're not where you want to be, you're not doing as well as you think you should, I want you to know, first of all, you're doing better than you think you are. You're here. You're getting coached. You want to improve and you are focused on productivity, getting better and doing better. But you've got to be able to break that habit of comparison 
and break that habit of overwhelm. And I want to help you do that. Go to allsmalltraining.com, take this free workshop. And when you do, you're automatically put on my newsletter so that I can encourage you and inspire you every single week with a weekly tip on how to go small for big productivity. All right, we'll see you next time.